There's a group of teenage girls who have had some sort of friend who overseas, maybe for like three or four days, um, but they're waiting there and they've done the signs with like the glitter hearts and everything. Rebecca, you know, like, so good to have you back, right? Or something, you know. Um, there is uh, that you see husbands or wives or boyfriends and girlfriends waiting. Uh, you know, there's you can sort of see that sort of nervous. Uh, my my partner's coming back from some sort of exchange overseas. Um, you know, there are, there are whole families waiting for, for a, a dad or a, or a, a mother to, to come back from a work trip. There's this uh, incredible sense of anticipation that is sitting in the airport arrival room. And there's also a sense of preparation that happens as well, right? Like I know for a fact, after years of my mom coming back from overseas, I do a lot of preparation trying to clean the house, right? Not to my standard, but to like her standard. So... And that's a, that's a frenzied, like, sort of six-hour gig, you know? <laughs> and it's never quite good enough. Um, <clears throat> but there is this air of uh, anticipation and preparation that is in the airport arrival room. And I was uh, there yesterday morning, and because I've been thinking about this, this uh, sermon this morning, and uh, uh, I was sort of drawn to the, the parallel between that sense of anticipation and preparation and, and really what Advent is about. This is what we're doing. This is why we do these four weeks. This is why we do the candles. This is why we read the children's stories. This is why we explore these themes, because there's a sense of uh, preparing our hearts and anticipating the arrival of Jesus Christ. You see, Christmas is not just about remembering some historic event, remembering some story of, of the donkeys and the little baby in the manger and the, and the Bethlehem and the star. It's not just about remembering this thing. But I think there's a sense of uh, preparing and anticipating the arrival of things like peace, hope, joy, and love uh, to break through into our present reality right here today. We prepare ourselves for those things to arrive and break into wherever we're at. And that's the beauty of Advent. It's like by the time we get to Christmas, it's, it's not just a, a sense of remembering, but it's about uh, feeling and experiencing and embodying this, this story in everything that we do. So it becomes bigger than the Christmas mince pies. It becomes bigger than the presents under the tree. It becomes bigger than the, even the carols and the things we sing. It's, the story begins to have an imprint on our lives. The sense of... of uh, uh, preparation and anticipation is itself the embracing of God's kingdom joy into the here and now. That kingdom joy breaking into everything that we're doing. And so that's what we're exploring today. We're exploring this sense of kingdom joy. Um, <clears throat> Luke 2 verses 8 to 11 says this. Now in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Those are not my slides. That's all right. Who needs them? Um, <clears throat> you guys are great listeners. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you uh, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Christ. What do you think about when you think of the word joy? 
I, I, I kind of did this little test on myself, this little litmus test, right? What was the first thing I thought of? Boom, Disneyland. <laughs> I reckon I've been to Disneyland like, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 times in my life. Every single time I've been able to go to the States, I've gone um, sometimes like not even once, right? Like three or four times on multiple days. Um, And I don't care that like a lot of the rides are are for mostly kids. Um, I love all of them. Space Mountain rules. Uh, Haunted Mansion rules. Um, (laughs) It's honestly so much fun. And I'm also like... uh, I'm not just a Disney guy, like Universal Studios is really fun as well. But there's something about these theme parks, it's like I feel this, this incredible joy sort of rise up within me. And it's like I don't care that you have to pay 8 or $9 for a hot dog or whatever. It's just I, I just get so invested in the moment. I love Disneyland. And one day when Georgia and I take our kids, I will probably enjoy it more than them. <laughs> don't care. Love it. And I think it's actually pretty common for us to uh, equate joy with uh, certain memories and moments and things that, things that we like, things that bring us uh, a sense of delight uh, or happiness or pleasure or euphoria. Um, these emotions and experiences are by their very nature joyful. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing to recognize them as being joyful. Um, <clears throat> It's good for us to be filled with childlike joy at a theme park. It's good for us to rejoice and celebrate at the wedding of a beloved friend. And it's good to spread joy and cheer uh, when you're sitting across the Christmas table from your friends and family. It's good to be spreading that kind of joy. But here's the thing, right? Biblical joy is not just an emotion. It's not just this thing that is experienced in these sort of uh, fleeting moments. Biblical joy uh, functions as something deeper, far more constant, meaningful, and present in our lives. And it's actually this hard thing to, to wrestle with and grapple with because we so often tend to equate those moments of, of, of ecstasy and euphoria as being our, our joyful moments and learning to recognize uh, that deep joy, similar to how Vic spoke about that deep peace, you know, learning to recognize that and be in that is a little bit more of a tricky thing for us. And so here's what I, uh, as, so as we prepare ourselves for this Advent season and as we explore this thing of joy, I want to present um, just three helpful ways for us to think about joy uh, as we head towards Christmas. I want to talk about joy as a gift. I want to talk about joy uh, as a response. And I want to talk about joy as a fruit. So going back to that story of the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, where where the angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The gospel story of Jesus uh, breaking into human history is a story about the gift of joy that is brought to the world. In Greek, the word, uh, the word for joy is kara, right? And in Greek, the word for grace is charis. They both start with C-H-A, this car sound, right? And the concept behind it is that, is that there is something about this, this thing that, that can only be given by God. Grace is the gift of God. 
And this concept of joy is um, intrinsically attached to the concept of grace. When we, hear the, when we see the biblical writers in the New Testament talking about joy, it's, it's linked to this concept and experience of grace, right? It's this idea and this gift from God. It is something that we are invited to receive. And you know what's interesting is, is what happens when you see through the gospel stories, if you're someone who spent a lot of time reading the gospel stories, what happens to people when they experience and encounter the grace of God? They often walk away or, or dance away. or it, often, it says that they often uh, rejoice as they go away from that situation. As they move away from Jesus, there is a sense of joy uh, as they go back to their communities, as they go back to their families, as they, they recognize that they've been healed, as they recognize that they've been forgiven. Joy is attached to grace. Joy, uh, we experience joy as we receive the gift of grace. And in doing so, we, we receive this gift of joy. It begins to permeate through us. And the fascinating thing about this, this sense of joy is that it, um, is that it also uh, begins to, ins- I don't know, activate, activate a sense of change in, in how we live it. Uh, this, this joy begins to fuel some of the action and it begins, the, this delight that we feel and, and our experience of joy begins to shape the way we, we respond to the world around us. You know, one of my favorite stories uh, in Luke is the story of Zacchaeus who in this moment of encountering grace then goes, well, actually, I'm just going to give all my money back. I love that story. I'm going to give all the money back to the people, everyone that I've done wrong, I'm going I'm to pay them back, you know, and more. An encounter with grace seems to spark this divine joy and it, and it prompts this uh, incredible action. And so we receive joy as a gift, not just a gift for ourselves, not just something to take for ourselves, but this thing that as we take it begins to shine out and move into the, into the lives of everyone around us, into the world around us. Isn't that beautiful? Joy can be seen this morning as a gift. We can recognize it as the gift from God and this gift that is for the world. And so moving into this next idea, we can also choose to see joy as a, as a response. Luke 1, 41 to 44 says this, When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Joy is the natural, and in the case of this story, uh, instinctive, response and reaction to the work of God. Whether promised or fulfilled, joy is the natural response to the work of God. A baby inside the womb has no sort of consciousness or, uh, or experience of the outside world, nothing that's been taught to them yet to understand, but there's something that happens in the story. There's, there's almost like a, a sense of all of, uh, of creation recognizing the significance of the story. And so that's quite a powerful image, right? A baby inside a womb leaping for joy. This, 
this such a, a natural, instinctive, primal thing, recognizing and affirming, uh, affirming the story of Jesus, affirming the gospel, affirming what God is doing in the life of Mary. Isn't that an incredible thing to see? Joy is the appropriate response to the work of God in our world. And what becomes interesting is, is that joy is also, uh, <clears throat> uh, joy is the expression of the activity of God's kingdom. So as we begin to participate in the activity of the kingdom, as we begin to be people who look for what the Father is doing and who look to participate in the work, it's almost like we can't help but experience joy. It's like, you know, uh, if, you're, if you're looking for joy in some way, go and give something. You know, giving to the Christmas shop, that, that sparks a certain joy inside of us. Choosing to spend time with the poor or moving towards the broken and the lost, it sparks something inside of us. And, so, and you know, you have these encounters with people along the way. And, and, you, dis, and you discover joy in the midst of it. In these situations where you would normally think that, oh, I can't do that, that would be too uncomfortable. When you, when you move towards the other with, with compassion and with grace and with love, what do you often discover on the other side of it? Joy. Man, I had a conversation with a guy on K Road a few months ago. Uh, his, uh, his name was, was Ben, and uh, I bought him a pie, and we chatted for about 40 minutes. And... Um, and that was like one of the best things that had happened to me in months, just having this conversation with this guy who I had actually like originally like crossed the street to just sort of like avoid because he, he was being a bit like loud and obnoxious across the street. And I was like, that looks like a situation I don't want to enter into. Went to the cafe I was going to go to, came out. He was right there and I just got locked in. But the conversation I had with him was, was meaningful and, and loving and gentle, and we were kind to one another, and it was incredibly beautiful. And I walked away filled with joy because of my experience with Ben. Joy is an expression of the activity of God's kingdom breaking through into our lives here and now. His influence on earth shapes joy inside of us, and we cannot help but respond with joy. My final thought is this, is that it is good for us to, to view joy as a fruit. John 15, 9 to 11 says this. Uh, Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, in Galatians 5, there's this really famous uh, passage where Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit. What, what is produced in your life when you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, when you live uh, a faithful life in service of God and you're seeking the Holy Spirit, what begins to spring out of your love, uh, out of your life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And the second one he identifies is this whole thing of joy. Joy is, uh, springs up out of a life of faithfulness. Joy is something that is cultivated as, as we practice and we seek and we move towards God. It's like, if you're struggling to find joy, and I know it sounds silly, read the Bible. It's, it's one of those really basic things. If you're struggling to find joy, pray. Take time to, to shut out the noise of life and go and sit in the quiet and be in the quiet and be still before God. 
And it's like in that space you will move towards joy. It's joy is this thing that begins to be cultivated in our life as we pursue Him with faithful obedience and as we invest in our relationship and as we live out, uh, live out some sort of vocational call, as we look for the opportunity to move towards God and the things of His kingdom in everything that we say and do. Now what's really fascinating, what's really fascinating about the sense of joy being cultivated is that um, joy often seems to be born out of incredibly difficult circumstances. In fact, Scripture talks about this all the time. Scripture talks of the paradoxical way in which joy seems to develop. Um, James 1-2 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. I would not go back to Disney if it sucked. Right? If I got stuck on Space Mountain, and it's just really dark in there, right? If it just stopped and I was stuck in there for like six hours and, like, and I've just got that little, that little T-bar that's just wedging me in, and, like there's, and if someone was like, oh, you're just going to have to sit there for a little while, you know, like if, <laughs> until we get it going again, and, and I just sit there for four hours, I would never go back. That's not a nice experience to have to go through. So when I'm talking about Disney as being joyful, I'm talking about all the fun stuff when the rides definitely work and I definitely enjoy all the treats I get to eat and I definitely enjoy the next series of rides I get to go on again. It's, it's hard for us to think of joy as being this thing that springs out of the difficult circumstances in our life. It's hard for us to think about joy being something that springs out of suffering even. And yet, time and again, it seems like suffering produces faithfulness and suffering produces joy and we're invited to recognize this. It's almost like if it was a piece of art, it would be a really strange canvas to paint on, right? Like joy comes out of a canvas of like suffering and messiness. Well, that's a strange thing to think about. But let's consider for a moment the artwork of Banksy. Any Banksy fans here? Yeah, right? love Banksy. <clears throat> if you haven't seen Exit Through the Gift Shop, I highly recommend. It's a great, great doc documentary. But here's this. By all definitions, graffiti should not be considered art. And, and by, by all standards, suffering would not normally be considered joy, right? But normally graffiti would not be considered art. It's, graffiti is uh, invasive and intrusive. It vandalizes it destroys and devalues the property of other people, right? It's, it's, it's demeaning. It can be, it can, like, oftentimes it's offensive. But then you get someone like Banksy, him or her or they, has been, which has been, you know, a collective of artists who are operating under some sort of pseudonym. We don't know. This is one of the cool things about Banksy. But <clears throat> you get someone like Banksy that comes along, and they use graffiti as a medium to confront and challenge, uh, challenge, challenge us uh, in every, uh, sorry, uh, confront and challenge us in all the things, all the different things of our lives, right? Sort of socially, politically, it challenges what we believe, it challenges our worldview, challenges our understanding. It confronts us and somehow it takes these uh, sort of violent images and, and places flowers in the hand instead of a grenade, and somehow it becomes this incredibly beautiful thing. 
And suddenly it becomes valuable. Suddenly it's no longer vandalism. Right? Who here would like the side of their house to be hit with just graffiti, right? Just like, you know, like South Town or something, you know, like, like you know, just some random bit of spray paint. But who here would like the side of the house to be hit by Banksy? You know what happens? You know what happens when Banksy hits the side of a building? They auction off the wall, and then they come and they knock out that chunk of wall, and it goes in someone's house. Like it's, it's, this, it's this weird paradox, right? Like Banksy is able to take this thing that's, that's normally uh, considered uh, invasive and intrusive and vandalism, and he turns it into something beautiful, meaningful. He adds value rather than devaluing, uh, devaluing people's property. Interesting, eh? Strange, weird concept, but profoundly beautiful. This is what happens when we live out our lives as, uh, as uh, sorry, we live out our lives in faithful obedience to the things that God calls us to. We move towards joy in this space. We move towards joy every single time we choose to seek God in the difficult circumstances. And in that process, we paradoxically discover gratitude and celebration, and we become anchored in a deep and profound sense of joy that surpasses our momentary highs and lows. Right? When we move towards joy, those moments of sort of like Disneyland, losing my job, you know, Suddenly those things don't define how I feel and respond and act in the world, but actually it's this joy that I begin to discover in the midst of it all that remains steady and constant. And that joy affirms who I am, and it affirms who God is, and it affirms the story that God is inviting me to live out and participate in and be a part of. That's what joy begins to do. We become anchored in a deep and profound sense of joy that surpasses our momentary highs and lows, our happiness and our sadness, you know? Which brings us to this idea. Joy is the ultimate affirmation. I think for me this morning, this is what joy comes down to and what joy comes down to this Advent season. Joy is the ultimate affirmation. Joy is the affirmation out of our encounter with God's grace. It's the affirmation of the good gift that the Lord extends to us. Joy is the affirmation of that which is true. It's the affirmation of that which is good, righteous, loving, just, and merciful. Joy is the affirmation of those things. Joy is the affirmation of our trust and our place and our purpose and our identity in God. Trust is the affirmation of God's nature and character. And trust is the affirmation of God's story of redemption, restoration, and reconciliation. So what does this affirmation mean? This affirmation means that the joy of the Lord is weaved into the very fabric of the kingdom of God. You know, over these, over these past few weeks, we've been looking at this idea of, of what these themes mean for the kingdom of God to be in breaking into our present reality. The joy of the Lord is weaved into the kingdom activity of God. 
Whenever we receive joy, whenever we choose joy, whenever we respond with joy, whenever we embody joy, we are playing our part in seeing God's kingdom break through into our present reality and the world around us. When we embody joy, we participate in the activity of the kingdom of God. So why don't we stand? And I, I want to invite the worship team up, and we're going to sing Joy to the World again. Great Christmas carol. Totally on point because of my theme. And I want to invite you in this moment to move towards joy. And I, and I think probably there's a sense of... Um, There's a sense of needing to, to maybe respond to like one of those ideas. So as we just sing, perhaps, perhaps you've never thought about joy as a gift before. Or maybe you, you feel like you, you need to receive the gift of joy. And so maybe as we sing, would you, would you posture yourself, orient yourself, lean into that gift in some way. Invite God to, to give you the gift. Say, God, I, I feel like I don't have that joy. Can I please have it? Scripture says we can ask for that. Philippians says, Paul writes that we can ask for that. We can ask for anything. So ask for that gift. Maybe you feel like you just want to respond to joy. Maybe it's a cheer. Maybe it's a leap. Maybe it's a celebration. Maybe you, maybe you want to take a moment to look around and say, Man, that brings me joy, and I've never thought about that. That unlocks gratitude in my life. I haven't thought about that. Maybe there's a response to joy that you feel like you want to, you want to have this morning. And maybe you want to just invite God to be doing, to, to do more in you, that, that joy would be more fruitful in your life. That you would ask God to come and, and, and meet you in the mess and do a Banksy number on you and turn the, and turn the messiness into the, into the wonderful and the beautiful and that there would be joy in that.